Hello, everyone. John here, host of the podcast. It's a little weird to be talking before the theme music is played, but I needed to get some business done before the episode starts. So clearly you can see that it's not hearts beat loud, as I said in the last episode. Due to some scheduling conflicts, it's not recorded yet. So I pushed up Phantom of the Opera. If you have not seen this movie, or it's been a minute since you saw this hot garbage of a film, I would suggest pausing it now watching the movie, and then you're ready for the discussion. Also, I want to play out my fantasies of being a radio DJ and shout out Nicole Marie Luftis. I hope I pronounced your last name right. We all know that I fuck up names here on this podcast. She suggested this episode, and so it's dedicated to her. All right, enjoy the show. Life's but a song so you can sing along special guest or two or two you like to sing and dance and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you song, yeah. hello everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals i'm your host john and with me is I mean, she's still a New York City-based performer, even though I'm pretty sure she packed her bags and was going to go to Lake Wikiwachi after our last episode. That is true. It's Christina Barnes, everyone! Now, I basically forced you, and by forced you, I mean not really, to talk about The Little Mermaid, because I knew you loved that one. And then you were just like, in! But you picked The Phantom of the Opera. Oh, yeah. I knew it'd be controversial, and I said, that's the one. <laughs> it, you know what? It's fine. I'm surprised. No, I'm surprised. It's episode... 53. We're just talking about this now? Like, no one picked it beforehand? So, why, why, why did you torture me? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love the Phantom of the Opera, and I, Christina Barnes, love the 2004 Phantom of the Opera movie. I do. I truly do. I used to be absolutely obsessed with the movie growing up. I've seen this movie probably at least a hundred times. I love it. I love it. And I also know that 99% of the world, especially the theater world, hates it. And that's why I want to talk about it. <laughs> so, so you loved how Gerard Butler's Scottish accent was coming out all the time. And how he was quote-unquote singing. <laughs> you know, when I watch The Phantom of the Opera, The Phantom's not necessarily my favorite character. But Ooh, okay. he's sexy, though. I'll give, you know what? I'll give you that. <laughs> Dry Butler. Dry Butler was pretty to look at, even with mm-hmm. the mask on. Like, <laughs> Oh, even, even with the mask off, even like the ugly face, whatever. I was like, he was, oh, okay. he was t- I was like, I could get over those scars. It's Me okay. too. <laughs> so... A little backstory on the movie, you know, this is Phantom of the Opera, came out in 2004, screenplay by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Joel Schumacher, based on the novel by Gaston Leroux, music by Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber, lyrics by Charles Hart, which I'm going to have to talk about that for in, a, in a second, and it was directed by Joel, Joel Schumacher. And according to IMDb, okay, let's see if you have issues with this one. Is again, 
a young soprano becomes the obsession of a disfigured and murderous musical genius who lives beneath the Paris Opera House. I mean, there's no really other way to describe this movie besides that. <laughs> That's true. I don't like how they call them disfigured. How about just murderous and masked? Like, man, what? <laughs> the, uh, or mysterious. Mysterious yeah. and murder. Murderous and mysterious. His, 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 you know, disfigurement has nothing to do with who he is as a person, which is bad. But that's not his bad part. But does it? I mean... I mean, yeah, it's he's kind of bitter about it, but you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be disfigured and be a bad, murderous person. But I mean, <laughs> now I, I had issues with them claiming that Charles Hart did the lyrics because, in doing research, <laughs> love it. I read that Andrew Lloyd Webber looked for he went through two different lyricists before writing with. Richard Stilgo, who he wrote Starlight Express with as a lyricist. Oh. <laughs> um, and then Charles Hart rewrote the lyrics to that. So like... No, okay. So like, it's like the Think of Me where it's like the verses are slightly different. That's not fair. No, you can't do fair. that. I feel like you need you to You can't have... claim that. No, no, no. You um, unless, you know... He literally rewrote everything, like even the melody lines and all that. No, he can't claim that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've I've seen the stage version once. And I I saw the movie once. And that was for this episode. <gasps> this is your first time? This is my first time. I never <sighs> saw this movie until Whoa. this one. Wow. It was interesting... How? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I was trying to remember the stage version, mm-hmm. and I know that we start in the what is now present, which is the um, auction. Mm-hmm. But we never go back to the present, right? In the stage version. In the stage version, we do not. The auction is the only time we go time okay. travel. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but that's the best in the stage version. It's so good. The. the, the the cacophony of like that chord no like you know when like the chandelier so in the stage version they're like oh it's the chandelier and then they like raise the chandelier up and then everything like like comes to life yes yeah it's huge which i appreciated what they did with the movie it is a a sight to see i mean it is the longest phantom is the longest running musical on broadway yeah it opened its doors when was it uh 1986 uh, it opened its uh that's the west end it opened that's right (laughs) phantom and i are the same age it opened it opened in 1988 and i believe january 1988 so a year before little mermaid year before little mermaid uh so it is i mean obviously i'm gonna i'm still gonna count the time during pandemic because it technically did it like close close it's just like on hiatus well mean girls and frozen closed during pandemic and i didn't know phantom about mean did... girls mm-hmm. and phantom did not well i mean Sorry. you know Sorry obviously they're the not news. they're not doing performances yeah but, but like, they haven't officially like announced a closing like the mean I, girls and frozen did i don't think they would i mean they've yeah. made so much money 
over the last 33 years. They're going to survive it. <laughs> Them and cockroaches, baby. Uh, <laughs> I appreciated what they did with the black and white to, to know that that's mm-hmm. the present and colors the past. And that whole like overture, is that, that's, that's the overture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With with the synth and the organ and everything just coming to life with the colors and everything. I appreciated that. Um and that was it. <laughs> no, there were other there were other things that I was just like, okay. But I feel like personally, I felt like the movie wasn't corny enough to be campy enough to be bad. Or bad, like bad, good, you know, like, mm-hmm. like you're just like, oh, this is just this is like sick. the room. <laughs> yes. Nor was it like excellent enough to be good. Fair it enough, was. Fair enough. It was just for me. It felt like a weird blah. Fair. Because <laughs> like you have Gerard Butler who can sing. <laughs> sing some notes. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> a bit. Um, so again, I wrote down some more questions. <laughs> I love it. I'm ready. Who do you prefer? Gerard Butler as the Phantom or Russell Crowe as Javert? Go. <laughs> Gerard Butler as the Phantom. Yeah. <laughs> 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 again, Gerard Butler is a sexy Phantom. That's true. Russell Crowe is, you know, he's sexy in real life, but in that movie, he... He's, he's, he's something. The darkness. <laughs> um, do you also think that that's Emmy Rossum's real voice singing? Yeah, she had an album. Um, I used to be oh. like an Emmy Rossum fangirl back in like third grade. She had an album and she is. She is like a true soprano. She has a beautiful princess soprano voice, which is crazy because now she's known as like Shameless, which is like the exact opposite of her upbringing which is she's like a cute little soprano jewish girl because i know that um <laughs> mini driver is the only one that they dubbed they had a singing voice for her really yeah crap what was her name margaret <laughs> margaret priest priest i don't know how to pronounce her last wow. name mini driver can sing mm-hmm. don't get me wrong but she, i don't think she that do she could notes. She can't do those, the Carlotta notes. Mm-mm. And poor Carlotta, like... She's kind of a bitch, though, you know what I mean? She's kind of a bitch, but I th- she's supposed to be older, right? Like, because Minnie Driver looks ageless, so she's supposed... <laughs> Carlotta's supposed to be a little long in the tooth and, like... Yeah, she's not too old. She's probably, like, Christine's probably, like, 18. And Carlotta's probably, like... 40? If, if even, Yeah. Okay. Keep in mind, this is like 18 something something. I bet I would say she's 30s. 30s? Okay. Yeah. Because, like, the way obviously she's got fans. The, I wrote this down that the company managers were her lackey gaze. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Andre and Furman. <laughs> Andre. <laughs> Literally one drink champagne out of her slipper. Like I know, it's the best in Prima Donna. It's the best. <laughs> I, I was just sitting there like, no, they're not. Like you see them, you see him grab the shoe. You see another one open the bottle and pour it in. I was like, they're not going to 
chug the boot, are they? <laughs> I love it. They t- oh god, that this movie is wild. <laughs> it's wild, man. <laughs> Interesting fact about it. Where did I write this down? Hold on. Okay, Warner Brothers acquired the right, the film rights for it in 1989, um, wow. and originally had Joel Schumacher attached to direct the film wow. with Sarah Brightman and Michael Crawford. You know, little known actors. It was then shelved for over a decade because this, that, and the other thing happened. But it was interesting that like he was on from the beginning because you've yeah you've you've heard tale of like directors coming in and out, writers coming in and out for him to do it for uh, be attached to it for over a decade. Like kudos to him. I mean, I love Michael Crawford, but I got to tell you a confession. I do not. I, I, as Christine, I do not like Sarah Brightman and I know that's her role. It was written for her and she was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber and he wrote it for her and that's what got her her start. I think she is a Carlotta and I think she was not right for Christine. Okay. okay. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> no, I've, it's, I've lost uh, everyone now. I've lost the Phantom haters hate me and the Phantom lovers hate me now. I'm trying to remember her voice though because her voice... I know her voice is like I hate it. <laughs> in that role. In that role. I mean she's perfect in Reap of the Genetic Opera, but that's another story for another episode. <laughs> I'm in for that one. I love that one. Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read the novel Phantom of the Opera? Speaking of Yes. Phantom. Okay. I've read it a few times too. Not gonna, really? not gonna lie. I read more than people. And um <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm usually like the only person who's actually read it. I'm no, proud of you. It's so I, good. I forget though that it's a romance novel. Like I thought it was gonna be more like gothic horror and all this. Yeah. And the Phantom is a little more like murderous in that. He's a little more malicious i should say not murderous eric and both and both the novel and the stage version only two people die surprisingly mm-hmm. you'd think it'd be more um ah. poor bouquet is the one that always dies but then in the novel <laughs> they say it's a spectator from when the chandelier chandelier falls mm-hmm and obviously in the stage in the movie version, it's Pianji during Don Juan. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Carlotta's little boy toy. Yeah. Co-star, boy toy, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. But I found it interesting that, like, the development of Angela Lloyd Webber's version, as well as Ken Hill's version, because Ken yeah. Hill wrote the first musical version of it have you listened to it i have yes i I don't like it as much but it i feel bad for him i mean it's been cited as on wikipedia which is usually my sources for these things angeline weber was influenced and you can kind of hear it in the music don't fight me on this you know it's real no i know you're right but actually i read as well on Wikipedia, take it with a grain of salt, that Andrew Lloyd Webber and Cameron McIntosh, his like producer buddy, 
approached Ken Hill to collaborate with them to develop his Phantom of the Opera into like a bigger show. Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't really say like what happened, just that Andrew Lloyd Webber went on to do his own, obviously. I didn't see if Ken said no or if like he was like, give me some time to think. And then Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, fuck this, you know, so I don't know what happened. But somebody said something that they then had two different versions of it. But there's also a third Phantom musical that I've seen around. What? Yes. So it's music and lyrics by Maury Easton and book by Arthur Copet. No, I was thinking of the Maury Easton one. I don't know the Ken Hill one then. Oh, yeah. So I was thinking the more Easton, the one with home. Yeah. So, oh my God. Okay. So, the Ken Hill one came out in 1976. And, like I said, it's the first musical version of the of Phantom of the Opera. Phantom, the Copet one, and Angela Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera, I believe they were writing them at the same time, but obviously across the Atlantic. Dang, y'all are some copycats. <laughs> Ken Hill's like, how could you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't see anything about how Copet and Easton also saw Ken Hill's version because I don't think mm-hmm. they did. Probably. Yeah, because I've never even heard of Ken Hill's version. And I've oh. listened to the whole Mari Easton Phantom. It um, is on YouTube. You can find a whole playlist of it. I try to download the album because, you know, I don't want to like have on my phone YouTube on all the time, especially when it decides to go to sleep. But like you can, if you, if, okay. Okay. So if you, after this, if you listen to it, the Ken Hill one, you have to type in fan of the opera Ken Hill. You can hear some of what Andrew Lloyd Webber Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. the Easton one I read that it took eight years to write I don't know what they were doing in between like I don't know if they were only working on that or if they had other projects come in and out of their mm-hmm. life they started in 83 and then it premiered uh, at, at Texas's theater under the stars in 91 and has been like big in the community theater circuit and mm-hmm. regional theater circuit. The Ken Hill one made it to the West End, but only lasted for four months because it was also in 91, by the way. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But That's o- weird. only lasted four months because they closed due to the IRA bombings. <gasps> so it's wild <laughs> the, these the, <laughs> and i can't believe this. they both came out after the success of andrew lloyd weber's version that's crazy no the ken hill one started premiered in lancaster in 1976 but it came out in west end you were saying in oh, 91 yeah, yeah. right so that's yeah. after phantom had already been like that's... in west end and broadway yes. So it's crazy that they continued that you know Obviously, it's the same source material, so they're all the same. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole Wikipedia page dedicated to the different adaptations of the novel. Yeah, and I read that I counted there are 29 
total different adaptations of stage versions ranging from plays to musicals to operas oh Gaston Leroux look at you boy (laughs) meanwhile for the movie adaptations there are 32 different ones from 1916 to present and they vary from like how far away from the source material they wander like that's a Disney Channel movie version of it (laughs) whoa life change I think it's called Phantom of the Multiplex Ew, I hate that. But then, you know, there's the original, the, the 1925 one that that's what everyone remembers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the black and white with the... the... Black and white silent one with Lon Chaney, mm-hmm. where I read that he did his own makeup for it. So <gasps> kudos to him. Kudos, because that's like iconic now. Yup. Good and for it, him. It's not a mask. He like filled his cheeks... I was reading the process. It's very interesting. He filled his cheeks with like to make them look full, like different. Uh-huh. Um, he put like wax on his nose to change the shape, and then used the piano wire. Like I knew he used <sighs> piano wire on his nose, but I didn't know that it was through a wax to help give it that more skeletal look. And then, wow, um, he definitely put drag queens to shame with his highlight and shadow and blending. Yeah, he really. Dang, good for him. That was his design. The OG makeup guru. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have one more question before we get back to this movie. Do you think Angelaide Weber created this as a response to Stephen Sondheim's Sweeney Todd? (gasps) I never thought about that, but yes, I do. Because, you know, he was probably... Because Sweeney Todd came out also in in the 70s. He's like, God damn it, this horror musical's doing so well. I know. <laughs> I know. Let me and then he and then he just so happens to see the Ken Hill fan with opera. And he's like, Ooh, Easy an enough, opera. <laughs> <laughs> the movie though, just so much happens and not enough. I mean <laughs> I I know when I watched it, I definitely took an intermission. <laughs> meanwhile i can watch it like four times in a row i'm like bawling each time <laughs> now so what is when is it after all i ask of you is that when the intermission yeah all i after all i ask of you mm-hmm. yeah um, that's when the intermission is in the musical i i was i i no. i hovered over the the time the time bar or whatever it's called i was just like <laughs> i have another hour left all right, let's like stretch the legs I'm out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, don't be. This is what makes gold on this podcast. You know, if one <laughs> of us doesn't like the subject, then we have a good conversation to. Oh yeah. But I loved Minnie Driver personally. Me, she was too. great. The other actors, though, none of them were on in the stage version of it, like Madame Giri or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Her not that daughter. I know of. Now now being an actor, that kind of pisses me off. Like, it pisses me off that the prom Netflix movie didn't have, like... I mean, it did have Ariana DeBose, but, like, it doesn't... It, you know, I get that now, that that's, like, shitty, that they didn't take people from Broadway for the movie. But not knowing that, I did love the cast. Except for Gerard. It's just sexy, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and this was... I think this was, like... 
right before he was Gerard Butler action hero. Mm-hmm. I think this is like after like P.S. I Love You, right? Yeah, that's like the, that's or right like around the that time. Romantic boy, you know? Because now, because now he is Gerard Butler. Olympus has fallen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bum, 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 bum. yeah. <laughs> the has fallen trilogy. <laughs> Must Love save it. the president. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really appreciated the the production design, the set design of this, because like obviously Gorgeous. there's a lot of iconic moments in the stage version, which was taken from the book and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. They were like, we have we have Warner Brothers money. <laughs> mm-hmm. May as well go for broke with the chandeliers that pop out of the water. Yeah, yeah. What? That was so beautiful. <laughs> And, and then the light up. Too? I know, I know. Oh gosh. And, oh the co- God, the costumes were gorgeous. That think of me dress. I will never get that dress out of my brain. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the gorgeous way. I like it so much better than the Broadway one, and I love the Broadway one. But the Broadway one, they just kind of take her like, what is it? Like dancer, slave girl kind of thing. They take yeah. that costume and they just like put a little skirt on it or something but for this one her think of me dress was like white and sparkly and angelic oh my gosh (laughs) i loved it um okay so i know that they say in the movie that like she thinks the voice phantom is Mm -hmm. her dead father do you think though that she really doesn't think that and that she's just like who is this mysterious man who I think she thinks it was sent by her father okay I think it she thinks it's an angel that was sent by her father like I think she thinks her dad's in heaven and her dad was like here's an angel of music girl because definitely watching this movie I was getting some like love triangle vibes from everyone, not just <laughs> the Phantom. Mm-hmm. Like how the Phantom's obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. It's so gross, but <laughs> that's how it's written. And that's even from the source material. So I can't be like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The gross, only gross, time gross. the only time I think she thinks it's her dad is in the graveyard. Mm. I think other than that, she thinks it's an angel sent by her dad. And then in the graveyard, he's like, it's me, your dad. And she's like, oh, you know, and then it's not. <laughs> and then the sword fight happens. Yeah. <laughs> that this, oh God, this movie is so weird. It's this so show, weird. <laughs> this story is so weird because he's so obsessed with her. I love, I love never dies just makes it worse. I don't know if you know anything about Love Never Dies, but like, I have not. You know, there's like, there's like a finale to Phantom. He like lets her go. You know, he like chooses to let her go, and then Love Never Dies happens, and he's like, oh, just kidding, still obsessed. It's like, move on. Well, so in this movie, they do kind of hint at that at the end with the rose. With the rose, yeah. Well, because I think he like always loves her and follows her, but he lets her. He lets her marry Ral and have a family without, like, disturbing her, you know? He's still mm-hmm. a stalker, but I think he kind of, like, in Love Never Dies, he's, like, full-on, like... The same? Pursuing her. Yeah. It's like, what? We already went through this. Why are you doing this again? So, in Love... Okay. I have... I should have watched it, because I've... I've, never, really I've talk- never seen it. I just know 
like I just used to listen to the album way back in the day and I know little bits and pieces. Because I know it's on Broadway HD at the time of us recording this. So I don't know yeah. if you have that. I should watch that. You're right. Are you making notes of everything I'm telling you to look yeah. up and watch after this? <laughs> I am. I've been okay. like... Because <laughs> like, I don't know which characters return then. Because obviously it's Christine and Phantom. Mm-hmm. Raul has to return. Yeah, he does. He does. And it's it's like the same thing. It's like Raul versus the Phantom versus... Christine, it's Sierra plays Christine in the original, and Ramin oh, plays the Phantom, which is the good one. But it looks like it's the same. It looks like it's Phantom, Christine, Raoul, Madame Jury, and Meg Jury. So it's uh, funny. I'm on now the Wikipedia page for it. This is uh, Love Never Dies is also based off of a novel by Frederick Forsyth called the phantom of manhattan oh god no (laughs) which is based off of gaston larue's phantom of the opera obviously but it's narrated by madame giri the book the novel and it's set in early 1900s um yeah that's all that's what i'm getting from this but then the musical love never dies characters you have the fandom christine raul why do they bring meg back i mean i i don't love meg i don't mean to shit on meg but like why she's not very important but she's so cute (laughs) it's because madam jury that's why is her role in the stage version the same as it is in the movie i honestly think it's a little bit bigger in the movie oh really and maybe it's like not but I just kind of think they do more close-ups of her. Whereas like, you know, in the musical, there's no close-ups. It's just everyone. It's so she's just shots, kind of yeah. <laughs> there, you know, as opposed to like a close-up of Meg. So, I don't know. Meg, give us a reaction. Hoo-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Christine! <laughs> How do you feel about his, what is it called? Don Juan Triumphant? Love it. That's like the best part of the whole show the the show the show within the show i mean not the not the song that like or what the action that happens but like the actual music of it yeah i love it oh it's so weird it's so weird i love it <laughs> the music is so like it doesn't make any sense which is like so modern i love it yes <laughs> i love it it's so different from obviously you know we have this like you know just like this like pop music and then don juan's like oh you know it's like so all over the place and ah it's so dissonant and not pretty sad i mean Mm -hmm. watching it i was i was even just like oh my ears don't like this that's fair that's fair i guess like the music theory nerd to me is like whoa you know this then, is weird. <laughs> then again, there was an opera I worked on mm, a few years ago, and I forget the name of it right now, and it's pissing me off, where it sounded similar to this, and I was just like, I don't like this music, this noise. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not general. It, it's very, I love it because it's very fitting for the Phantom to write that kind of music. And it's not for the general public. It's definitely not a show that, like, you walk away and you're like, oh, how wonderful. Oh, delightful, you know? 
Cheerio. No, you're like walking away from that and you're like, that was fucked. I loved that it. That was. Uh, Made that... me feel all kind of weird things. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, I did see that they cut three songs from the stage version. Mm-hmm. They cut notes twisted every way, which is, I don't remember. Um, they also cut the Don Juan Triumphant Rehearsal, Fan mm-hmm. of the Opera Reprise, and Little Lot Reprise, and then one called Bravo, Monsieur. I don't. I don't know what they are. They're, but they're, like, those are songs where they're, Phantom of the Opera, the musical, is just song after song after song, and so it's not really songs. It's just, it's like an opera. It's just one whole thing, so I I didn't even miss it. <laughs> yeah, because there are, uh, let me do some quick math. There are like 25 songs in the movie. In the movie. And yeah. there's very little spoken dialogue because mm-hmm. it's an operetta then mm-hmm. in that case. Yeah. But I don't, I, I still don't understand the classification between opera and musical, especially when it comes to something like this or Les Mis. Um, mm-hmm. People have told me and I haven't, like registered it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just in one ear and out the other <laughs> i just think opera is like an opera you know like you you just know when it's an opera whereas like operetta is like musical theater version of an opera that's what i think so like well, a lame is like... a phantom i think of operetta but then there's musical theater where it's clearly scene so- song mm-hmm. spoken dialogue song so yeah in musical this, theater, it's like, okay, words are not enough to express how I feel. Now I need to sing. Whereas an operetta is like, I'm having my lunch and there's a peach. Yummy. You know, like it's just. I'll have what everything. she's having. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where's that musical? <laughs> oh my God. There's just so many songs in this that I'm just scrolling through to see if there's one that we want to talk. Masquerade. I want, let's talk about Masquerade. that. Come on. You can't. You can't tell me you actually watched that movie and you didn't think that scene was awesome. Oh, no, it was awesome. The one thing I was a little confused about, though, is like, why did they have full masks on a bunch of people in the in the ensemble? But that, because mm-hmm. I've done a lot of episodes of this podcast already. And <laughs> when I did the Riverdale musical episodes, eh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a concern that I had where background extras are in lip syncing to the songs they're literally just there and they're bopping or whatever i noticed it trust me and then i was paying attention during masquerade where you have everyone is lip syncing but then you have these full face masks Mm -hmm. and it got me wondering like was that them copping out of potentially paying more to that background extra or that dancer they're dancer dancers. I think like, the full masks were supposed to be creepy as fuck. And they worked. Yeah. But like in a financial way, I mean, for the movie, like, yeah. would they have to pay them for lines, quote unquote? Because mm. just mm. food for thought, yeah. you know. Not Interesting. Not, I'm not, I'm, I, I, You're right. I don't want to, that part, I don't want to poo-poo because it was fantastic and great and you know you got to see the explosion of color and sparkle and all that well not so much color but like gold gold and sparkle and then obviously he comes out i love it (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Where, I, I want to look at a good question. Oh, this is a good one. Yes. Speaking of phantom and everything, uh, the, the phantom and everything. The phantom. How does this white mask stay on? <laughs> I think about that all the time. Because obviously, you know, it's like they like have to obviously in the... it on Broadway and they have like the little elastic things, you know, but right. it's like hard. It's difficult on Broadway as an actor to get that custom made mask. How the hell is he like in this attic? Like you can't do that alone. Like he, who is he paying? To <sighs> well, not not the Broadway because obviously Broadway they we suspend disbelief and they probably dye the elastic or something or oh, but I'm just thinking like logically I don't know how it works because it's difficult for the Broadway, which is a theatrical thing, a real life thing. So I'm thinking logically, Eric wearing this mask. I don't know how it. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how he got it done. I don't know how it stays on because it's clearly not elastic for Eric, the phantom, because Christine just like grabs it and takes grabs it, it off. off. Yeah. And how then he that... also does that too. And it's like, how, how what? How oh, in the best part in the movie, I have to say this in the movie, he takes off his mask and like half his hair comes off. Do you remember that part? Yeah. Like I had in the a... point of no return. I had to rewind it back because now is he he's burned right it's mm-hmm. a burn mm-hmm. and he had that as a kid and that's what mid, yeah. what we're given to believe he had that since a child and that's what yeah. mid, that because he wore a potato sack over his head mm-hmm. and madame giri saved him and brought him to the opera house blah 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 but i had to re- rewind a bunch of it because i'm i was just like does the mask go past his hairline on the side yeah kind of does but I don't think it goes as far as the burns do. And it like, when when his mask comes off, it's like all of a sudden he's blonde. <laughs> I don't understand that. This, that's the one part in the movie that's super bad is if you watch that, it's like he he's like this handsome coiffed phantom guy. And then this little tiny mask that's covering like one fourth of his face. She just like, you know swipes it off and all of a sudden his entire face explodes into flames like it's just because i i I was watching i was watching it i'm just like how does that stay perched on on his face i don't know he's running around the entire opera house twirling his fake mustache and giggling (laughs) all the time in my in my imagination but like like obviously you see the mask for masquerade and that one has ties and then the Don Juan mask, which, by the way, kudos to him for being like, I know you guys are going to have a plan. (laughs) So I'm going to also have a plan that's going to supersede your plan. And I'm going to tell you that I have a plan within this opera that you guys obviously didn't read. (laughs) (laughs) And Christine's like, oh, I know. This dude's going to die, but I'm ready. Oh my god, the uh, there's just so much there's just so much that happens on this that I'm just I <laughs> there's too much song, I think. Or or mm-hmm. not mm, not the right talent for this. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, there's just something. There's just something I didn't like. I think it's because I don't want the fandom to be a tenor. Ooh, but he is. But, like, if they rewrote it so that he was a bass or baritone that had, like, like a lower register, 
because like I said, when I re- read the book, forget that it's not a romance story or somewhat romantic story. But when I think of Fan of the Opera, I think of the horror aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what he sings in this version and how he sings it, I'm just, I, I feel a dissonance between like, His you know, voice and his person. Can you imagine um, music of the night, but with a bass? No more talk of love. <laughs> Softly. I would da, love that. Da, 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 da. I don't you're know the right. No, you're right, though. You're so right. And in <laughs> contrast to, like, the sweet little soprano, you know? I love yeah. it. Whereas I mean, the tenor I... and soprano kind of are like, let Rao have the tenor, you know? Right. I mean, the ten the tenor part is usually... I think that's they, that's when they based it off of operas, because the mm-hmm. tenor is usually the romantic lead yeah. or whatever. But, like... Come on, it's a musical. Turn it on your head. <laughs> and he's not the romantic lead, technically. He's the villain. Slash. Stalker? <laughs> and it's like Macbeth. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anti-hero? Yeah. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> All right. I have I have I have a uh, one last question. And then I think we'll get to the sharp and flat. Um, but I'm usually a liar, so whatever. Why didn't Christine show people the Phantom's Lair? Uh, and also, would you have felt threatened by the Phantom's notes? By the Phantom's notes? Yeah, you know, when he sent everyone a note being like, oh. you will do this. <laughs> Otherwise. I thought you meant like vocal notes for a second. No. I was like, you mean like as her voice teacher? <laughs> okay, I got yes, you. Yes, yes. No, I no, got no. you. I think Christine loves the Phantom. So I it's think that... the entire time she he's evil and terrible and the worst thing that's ever happened to her. But I think she really, really loves him, and not like oh. she loves Raoul, but I think she does. I think she loves him, and I think he filled the father void in her oh, life. No, <laughs> and I think it's sad and tragic, but I think it's true. I think she loves him, and she doesn't want him to die. And she just wants them to all be happy, and you know she's she's a true pure ingenue. So yeah, I think yes. I think she knows that she they would kill him, and she doesn't want them to kill him. She just wants him to stop killing Murdering everyone people else. Yeah, or threatening people. <laughs> she's like, can you stop killing people? Because I really like you. <laughs> Actually, I, do, I don't like you. I just love you. <laughs> <laughs> but not like love, love. Just like pa- just paternal like, love. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you'll love. Yeah. Um, but then uh, the second question is would you feel threatened by the Phantom's notes? Uh, or would you follow in uh, Andre and Furman's footsteps? I would feel maybe at the beginning I'd be like, the fuck is this? But like once there's like a man that like is hanging, like that gets hanged in front of an entire audience during a musical or during an opera, I would be like, oh. Yeah, this is scary, and I'm going to give him whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, fucking Bouquet dies. When does he die? Um, it's, it the, it's the one where Christine is supposed to be the lead, but then she becomes the page boy. Il M- Muto? Mm-hmm. Muto? And she's like, she's like the page boy, and the Phantom's like, you are supposed to make her the lead. And so he killed that guy during the show in front of everyone. And then people are still there. And they stay... They, they still live in the opera house and everything. I'm just like, 
Why? Leave. I don't know why Carlotta's not like, uh, I'm a diva. I could go to any opera house I want to. Goodbye. Germany. Yeah, hello. <laughs> we're, we're friends for the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I feel like there's a passage of time that happens, but it's never specified. Mm-hmm. So if you told me that you if you told me that this takes place in the course of a week, I'd believe you. If you also said that it takes place in the course of three years, I'd also believe you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's true. I feel like it's kind of that way in the book too, though, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't really know, like. You know, when she's like in his lair and there's all those mirrors, I really don't know what the passage of time from the beginning until that part is. I really don't. I don't even know how long she's like the first time she goes to his lair. I don't even know how long she's in there. Is it like one night? Is it like a week? Is it hours? Is it a minute? (laughs) What is time? I don't know. (laughs) Well, since we we have all these questions, why don't we go to Sharp and Flat? Sharp! Flat. That was a bad segue, but we're going to keep it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously in this section, we're going to highlight moments. And if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we hated it, it's flat. And trust me, I have a very... Lots of flats. I only have one, but it's a very specific one. But let's start with sharps because I, I like to start with like the positives. Love it. What are your sharps for the movie? Um, For the movie... Okay, um, for the movie, I think the best part is the end. The point of no return up until the very end. Like, mm. point of no return, down once more, transition, all of that. I think that's phenomenal. And I also think all I ask of you is just... I don't know, all I ask of you and wishing you were somehow here. The snow in this movie is just breathtaking, the way they do it. It looks real. It looked real. Like it did. I, there's some movies you watch where it's winter time, and clearly you're like, "That's paper mache," and that's mm-hmm. you know, bubbles. But like, it looked it looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. It's beautiful. I wrote down in all caps "Mini Driver" with like five exclamation marks afterwards. Yes. <laughs> and then I also wrote the production design. I mentioned it earlier. I fucking loved it. that candelabra hallway with the arms <laughs> yes what, what like the, just the arms and the boat too is like classic it meets the expectation of the broadway show but new and big i love it it's right. like during the song fan of the opera i know that they have the doubles running around on stage mm-hmm. and so obviously they had to do something where he was running to his secret boat that's underneath which by the way did you know that that's real that's that's a real thing that under the paris opera there is a river (gasps) i love it yeah so um (laughs) the novel though fictionalized had like real historical moments that happened Mm -hmm. like the chandelier falling that's a real thing but also there is a lake underneath it where they train their firefighters in Paris to swim in the dark. Whoa. That's what I read. Granted, Wikipedia is my source, so take it with a grain of salt, but like, (laughs) that's fucking awesome if that's real. Yeah. 
but yeah, you know, I mentioned the other candelabras coming out of the water and then mm-hmm. igniting. Lit? Yeah, what? 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 <laughs> I feel fair. And And like how the backstage area looked like a backstage area mm-hmm. would of the time. Yeah. It's, oh, it was so well done. What are your flats, if you have any? Oh, I do have flats. There's okay, flats. Okay, I okay. know it's flawed. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Phew, okay. I good. know it's flawed. I just love it. I know it's not perfect at all. You know, I think the biggest flat would be, although I love him and I think he's very sexy, I just think that Gerard Butler truly <laughs> makes this not the Phantom of the Opera, but rather the story of everyone else and their reaction to what this random dude we don't care about does you know i he's like not the lead like well he is the lead but he just like isn't worth it i'm so sorry gerard butler but like oh no i i I think he's been on record as saying like he he was miscast as well because he's not known as a singer i mean he can like he can act the shit out of it he did act Mm -hmm. the shit out of it it's just that the singing aspect wasn't there all the best songs are not his. There are moments when he's not singing the high tenor notes. Yeah. Oh, his voice is nice. That sure. I was just like, ooh, okay, I'm into this now. Yeah. And then his little Scottish accent would come out. And I was just <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's when he goes to the tenor notes that I'm just like, ooh, girl, maybe you should have hired somebody else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wrote down jumping to the present so many times. I feel like... Mm. there were too many times that they did it mm-hmm. i didn't like it mm-hmm. i didn't mind them going for madame jiri's story to go to the past that was you're that talking was about the nice. raul stuff the raul stuff yeah yeah where i i did like it after all i ask of you reprise mm. because you needed a break yeah you needed something because obviously that's the intermission of the show. I feel like you could have like condensed some of them to that and mm-hmm. then kept the beginning and end. Yeah, I didn't hate the I like the end. I love it where he goes and the rose is there. With right. The black ribbon. Oh. But like when he's driving down that long roadway to the cemetery, I'm like, like why is this here? <laughs> or after I remember Stranger Than You Dreamt It. Um, there's that one flash forward scene with him and Madame Giri like acknowledging each other's presence. Yeah. Or is that Meg? I don't One of the Giri's. Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be Meg because Madame Giri's, they're all old, you know. They're all, they're all dead. Patrick uh, Wilson with like his like old makeup on, you know. But like they acknowledge each other. I'm just like, okay, why? <laughs> I get. I get why they did it, but like, mm-hmm. why did they do it? You know what I mean? You yeah, too much. You didn't have to do it. Um, okay, so I know like Christine is basically the only, well, not the only role, only female role, but like the big female role of this move of this show. Mm-hmm. If you were able to cast yourself in any role in this, would that be would that be it, or would you want to do something else? Hmm. Any role, whatever. Well- whatever. I will tell you, Christine is hands down one of my top three dream roles, without mm-hmm. a doubt. And it's one of those when I went to New York and I was like, oh, I can play Christine today. Because like those high notes, I could vocally do that 
20 times a week no worries oh, then I, <laughs> I i learned very quickly that being five foot eleven and wanting to be christine did not work for the general public for the sexist notion of tall men and short girls but yeah that's you can fun. play the phantom so that's the deal is that if i had the option to play the phantom i think i would play the phantom i love the phantom songs i love them you know, like music of the night. I told you point of no return and down, down once more. Those are like the best songs I think in the whole show. I feel like with the Phantom, you get to show range. Now Mm -hmm. I don't think this movie or show is my cup of tea Mm -hmm. and that's, I'm fine with that. You and a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) But like there, there are the songs that I can appreciate Mm -hmm. from it, but I feel like after revisiting this because it's been over a decade since I've seen the stage version Mm -hmm. I feel like with the phantom character you get to like be evil you get to be obsessive you get to like have a lighter moment light moments I I like reading articles from actors who have played villains and they're always just like it's fun to be the villain Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take the ingenue money because that means I'm in it more. But like, give me the villain role because it's more fun to play. More dynamic too. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Uh, what songs would you add to your life's playlist? I mean, there are 25 songs. You could add more than just one. <laughs> I will tell you that from this version. Yes. Not anything else from the movie. Uh, like I said. The, I mean, the Phantom of the Opera, that song is like one I can just totally walk down the streets and jam to, but I have listened to the Point of No Return down once more, that like chunk. I have listened to that over and over on loop, just like randomly cleaning my room and stuff all the time. I love that. I'm telling you that, that Point of No Return to down once, that transition, the whole like thing where they do like the kiss and all oh my gosh it's just so powerful i love it i love it that's my favorite so that's basically the same i have the overture the phantom of the opera because you know they both have well the the overture more because it's got that blaring Uh, that like pumps you up and then if you listen to the rest of it you're like yeah you quiet down a little bit with the uh, yeah but like i can i can i can move i can move to this and then mm-hmm. fan of the opera the song has its bits and bobs and you know he derived butler tries so hard but i'll i'll take it music of the night i feel like that one was the one that i was talking about earlier where that was like comfortable in his range mm-hmm. and then point of no return is not like one of the ones that people that they publicize or anything. It's not one of the popular songs, quote unquote. But I was just like, this song is a fucking banger. I love Emmy's voice on it. I love yes. the sweet innocence, but like the ugh, sexy, fiery passion. I love it. I love the weird. It's cool. I love it. And that is a song that I feel like works in Gerard Butler's favor. Because mm. when he attempts the high notes... <laughs> <laughs> he kind of just growls. He growls. It works. And it and it and it and it works. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've come to the end of this episode. I'm surprised <laughs> we kept it under. We kept it around an hour. 
I know he did it. <laughs> so much you can talk. I mean, I feel like I had you come on with The Little Mermaid, which has had all of its different variations <laughs> from the fairy tale. But I feel like this one has more mm-hmm. based on what I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. And they all, <laughs> it's wild, some of the choices that were made. Crazy. Um, what do you have? I will say that it would be fun to, I once did at a cabaret, I did the Phantom of the Opera, the song with one of my best guy friends and he, in the original key, and he sang the role of Christine and I sang the role of the Phantom. And it is very funny, like in the original key, in the original octaves. So is there a video of that? Somewhere yeah, that's that people- what I'm saying is that would be fun to share. Okay. Like that. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, I have no idea. Every month is different in COVID. <laughs> Hi there. I'm back again. Future John here. Since recording this episode, Christina was part of a production of Hamlet, the musical, and also follow her on Instagram at Christina.n.barnes. That'll be in the show notes. So, yeah, back to the show, everyone. And then if you want to reach out to me about your thoughts and feelings about Phantom of the Opera and tell me that I'm wrong, or maybe you are part of the majority with me, uh, (laughs) you can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com or reach out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttasongpod. Did you also love his Scottish accent coming out every once in a while? Because <laughs> I sure as hell did. And if you want to like be part of the conversation for next episode, we're talking about... Hearts Beat Loud. I promise for real this time, everyone. We're going to talk about that movie. Okay, so we were we swam out last time. What do we do this time? Do you we, got, s- we gotta fall down the hole, you know, and point and overturn when he like pulls the chandelier and he like falls. Okay, okay, we're going to jump into the depths of the opera house. Yes. Let's do it. Bye! (laughs) (laughs) Bye for now. Yay! Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.